Zakawani, the flying winger. Oh, goodness me! He doesn't mean anybody, Steve Zakawani! Steve Zakawani was never fun <laughs> to stick up against. Was it for Zakawani? None of this is possible. It's Steve! It's Steve! <laughs> this is so weird. Steve Zakawani! As promised, we're back for the second time in a week. This is Winging It with Zakawani. I am Steve Zakawani. And a week that started off on shaky ground suddenly took a great turn. Uh, I'm referring to last night. Fantastic result by the Sounders in Toronto. We'll get to that. We're also going to preview the big game. Doesn't get any easier. On the road, away to the Portland Timbers. Rivalry game. I believe it's the 100th meeting between these two storied franchises. And I couldn't think of a better person to help us prepare for that. So Zach Scott. Mr. Sander himself will be stopping by to catch us up on his retirement and get us all hyped and motivated for the game against the Portland Timbers. There's only one place to start, and that's with last night's masterclass. And it was a masterclass, tactically, by Brian Schmetzer and his staff. From minute one, you could see the game plan the Sounders were given. I think we all could have guessed it'd be somewhat close to that. But the way it was executed, the perfection, precision with which everybody knew and understood their roles was very, very impressive. Why was it such a masterclass? The first thing was it was a clearly defined game plan. You think back to the game against the Columbus crew and some of the quotes coming from that game was, you know, the whole stadium could see what we're trying to do. It was very predictable, very boring. We, and at times it was tough to tell exactly what the Sounders are trying to do in the attacking half, in the attacking third, um, where they, you know, was the plan before the game to break Columbus down through the middle? Was it to get wide? Was it to play balls in behind? It was kind of disjointed all over the place. No such issues on Wednesday night. Very, very clear plan. What was the plan? We will defend first. Everyone on that pitch was under no illusion what Brian Schmetzer, Jimmy Traore, um, Gonzalo Pineda and Preki and their whole crew, Tom Dutra, what they wanted, the coaches, was we're defending first and we'll attack when we can, primarily through the counter-attack. That was the plan. This club has been built, especially in the Brian Schmetzer era, on possession. Last night, possession, who cares? We're going to defend, 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 take away the space Toronto likes to operate in, Giovinco and Vasquez and Osorio and those guys, take away their space. And then when we get the chance to attack, we will. And didn't they do that so well? Also, individually, the roles were defined. I believe 1 through 11, every player and the subs who came on knew what their specific role was. Handwala, stay wide. You're one of our outlets, attacking-wise. I need you to dig deep. I need you to defend. I know you're a winger. I know you don't like defending. I know you're attack first. But tonight, the team needs you. I need you to defend. But you're my outlet going forward. That's where you'll have your fun. Will Bruin. Michael Bradley's a great player. Not a very good centre-back. Stay on his shoulder. Make runs in behind. This is a centre-back that you're definitely faster than. So you can give him some problems. And Will Bruin played that to perfection. Chad Marshall had even a different role. He had two centre-backs alongside him. Alfaro to his left, 
Gustav Svensson to his right. And you know Jovinko likes to drift, you know, left, right, left, right. If it was just two in the back, then Chad at times would have to follow him. Not last night. Let Gustav run. Let Tony Alfaro run. Chad, you stay central. And that's why he was there for every single cross, won every single header. And the Sounders were threatened, but not as much as you may have expected, especially the way the season's gone and going to Toronto. Even Kelvin Leardam, when he came on, he had an attacking role. His role was be higher up the pitch, you have fresh legs, be an outlet for us, help us relieve pressure, keep the ball for us. It was a tactical masterclass from Brian Schmetzer and his staff. They really took away what Toronto likes to do. TFC were very good in the first half. Make no mistake about it. This wasn't a case of Seattle caught them on a bad day. No, TFC did what TFC does. They were moving the ball. They, they looked sharp. They were getting crosses into the box. Jovinko was all over the place. Some could say he was rolling around on the floor a little bit. That comes with him too. But TFC were good in that first half. After Vasquez went off, admittedly, they lost a lot. That was a break, the Sounders caught. But I, everyone could agree, if any team needed an injury break to go their way, at least just once this season, then that's the Sounders. The one weakness of TFC I saw was Bradley at centre-back. I understand why they're doing that. He can play out from the back. He's very good with the ball, but he's not a centre-back. And the Sounders took full advantage of that. The credit for last night lies solely with Seattle. Credit to the guys that travelled, did their job, backs against the wall, coming off a miserable result, to be able to start that week off with a win. These two big games we've discussed. Some people thought maybe they'll get zero points from the two games. Well, it's definitely three on the border. That's now four points in the last two games. It's not too bad. Portland on Sunday doesn't get any easier. Portland are different. They've got changes. Gone is Caleb Porter. You know, a very well-known coach, a very passionate coach, a dominant personality. He's gone. So that, that whole dynamics change down there. Gone is Darlington Nagby, a guy who's been there since their expansion year and a key part of that franchise. He's gone. Their team's different. But the one constant is Diego Valeri. And that's the guy I really do believe. I'm stating the obvious here, but I'll tell you why. The Sounders have to stop. I played with Valeri. I got to know Valeri. Why is he so good, especially in this league? He is one of the few attacking midfielders who gives you a centre-forward's goal return. 15 and above. You can almost bet your house that Valeri is going to reach double digits somewhere or somehow. If an attacking midfielder gets you five goals, 10 assists, oh, that's fantastic. Five goals, 15 assists, DP. This guy's getting you 15 goals at times, 20. Minimum 10. And he chips in his assists. Fantastic player. Valeri keeps going and going and going. He will try to shoot from 30 yards, put the ball into row Z, row Y, row X. Ball comes, he'll shoot the ball again. He will try that through ball. He'll get intercepted 10 times, he'll come again. He moves around a lot. He rests defensively. That's also true. But that team is prepared to defend for him and run for him to save his legs for the attack. So that's the guy the Sounders have to watch. We'll get into what the Sounders can do and the lineup changes and things like that because there's some interesting choices coming up for Brian Schmetzer now. But Portland's a big one. 
And I think it's important to keep the momentum from last night going by not losing in Portland. Much more to come when we return. And I will be joined by Zach Scott. Really looking forward to this one, um, especially with the game that's coming up, as I've mentioned. And we will get to a few of your questions. And as always, we'll wrap up with the big three things from this episode. Getting closer. Kasky. There's a terrific header. And the Sounders lead. And you know who scored it. Zach Scott with his very first goal in a Ray Green shirt. A stupendous moment for Zach Scott. How delighted is he? My old roommate pops up. We said earlier in the game, when Zach had that opportunity, you give him another one or two of these in this game and he's going to put it away. They do exactly that. They leave Zach Scott wide open at the near post and he slams it home for his first goal as a sounder. Congratulations, Zach Scott. And welcome back on to Winging It with Zach Wani. As promised, I am joined by Mr. Sounder himself, Zach Scott. You just walked into the building. Um, how are you doing, Zach? I'm doing good. I'm wondering when that Mr. Sounder thing is going to wear off and <laughs> you can pass it on to somebody else. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I think what most people want to know, uh, just since retirement, how's life? What have you been up to? I, mean, I think this is your second season out of, out of playing now. So, yeah, how has it been? How's the transition been overall? Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of crazy when you put it that way. I mean, having, having a work anniversary and it not be attached to the Sounders, um, interesting. Uh, you know, it definitely takes a little while to, um, you know, figure out what working in the business world looks like and how you manage um, not only not only that, but new family dynamics and stuff like that. Um, but all things said, I mean, it's going great. You know, I'm much busier than I was when I was playing soccer. I'll put it oh, that way. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been able to watch much soccer or no? Yeah, besides um, U13 boys <laughs> and U11 girls and U6 uh, co-ed, those are the only, <laughs> the only games that I watch. <laughs> are you just attending as a parent or are you coaching? I, uh, I retired from my um, 11-year-old's team. She now plays with PAC with uh, former oh, okay. Sounders, Viet and Leighton. Yep. Um, so a uh, fantastic club down there. Um, but I am coaching my... My little ones. That one's that one's fun. It's it's more um, more wrangling and babysitting than it is actually <laughs> coaching. <laughs> uh, what kind of coach are you? Are you like a, are you shouting from the sideline or just watching? Play? <laughs> I'm shouting to go in the right direction. That's it. <laughs> just you're you're shooting on the wrong goal. That's the only thing I'm yelling. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, I'm just I'm trying to like build little athletes here. Like I could care less if they you know. If they're soccer players, I just want them to run and chase and blow yeah. off some energy and have fun. Yeah, really cool. Um, obviously, big game for the Sounders this week, um, playing against Portland. I think that's one of the reasons why we wanted to get you on, because of that rivalry. Um, what are some of like, your memories um, from the USL days to the MLS days, just when you think of the Portland Timbers? Uh, I mean, I've rehashed this topic a number of times, but just mm. the the intensity that was there, you know, it's... Um, it's something that you don't see in a lot of a lot of rivalries, uh, you know, especially in soccer in the U.S. So, um, just having that, you know, the proximity to, um, you know, Portland, you know, them feeling like they, you know, maybe have little brother syndrome and are always looking up to us. Um, 
and our and our sustained success over the years you know kind of ratcheted that up um and, and and then the biggest part and it's probably something that's changed a little is uh you know the sounders were were built on a lot of local guys who had you know played college here grew up in yeah. in seattle uh grew up in greater washington area and it's kind of the same for portland where it really was you know people that were players that were born and bred in Oregon. Um, and that's not necessarily the case anymore. And it's not a bad thing, um, as the clubs grow and become more international, but, uh, maybe that made the rivalry that much more intense. Do you think that's what makes it different? The fact that the history of this was born from local guys going back as far as Brian Schmetz and those guys and then people on the Portland side, whereas maybe New York versus NYCFC isn't people from New York necessarily. I, I completely agree with that. And I think that was originally when, you know, we had the, uh, very early stages of Sounders MLS. Um, that was a big part, I think, of my job and Taylor Graham's job and Roger Levesque's job to, you know, kind of teach these guys, the new guys coming in, that, you know, the intensity of the rivalry is really built around that. And um, as the years went on and there became more separation between, you know, Washington State guys playing for, uh, you know, the Sounders, um, it became less of having to teach people that and more about what they saw on TV and what they experienced, you know, in the stands and stuff like that. I'm not sure how much Sounders you followed this year. Um, it's been a rough start to the season for the team. Had a great win last night. Sometimes what you hear is people saying, this team is missing a Zach Scott. They'll say things like that. Um, one, how do you feel when you hear that, if you hear that? And two, what do you think they mean by that? I don't know if that's the case. I mean, <laughs> as, far, as far as I know, we're just not scoring goals. So if they're missing a Zach Scott, then <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're sorely mistaken. <laughs> uh, I mean, in, you, you got to think we have... You know, we've got have some of the savviest fans in the league, and they understand that. You know, it's it's the longest professional sports league in the world. Um, you know, speaking about the number of months that you know yeah. the the Sounders are are playing, and we're notoriously started slow in the past and have made the finals two years in a row. So, um, I don't think anybody's getting or shouldn't be getting too worried. And um, and let's let's also be honest. I mean, the the Sounders are <laughs> they were fine when I was playing. They're going to be fine when I <laughs> when I'm not playing. Um, you know, if if somebody thinks that, then um, you know, I I just think the only thing they they mean is you know just having somebody out there that um, just wants to kind of lay it all out on the line and has a real history and a real connection. And um, you know, as the team gets you know, younger, I bet there's going to be some assimilation of those young guys and it's going to take a little time. And, um, I've got no doubt that they'll be able to flip things around. I mean, with, with Schmetzer, Schmetzer at the head, um, you know, he's, he's not going to take anything but success, um, as kind of the basis. I think I'll give you some credit here. I think what they mean, and, you know, we had David Estrada on here recently, and he said the same thing as well is, you know, whether you were, you went through phases where you were playing, then you weren't playing whatever, but the way you trained, and the effort you gave, it wasn't different. Like, mm-hmm. I could come to training maybe and someone even speak for myself. If Ziggy had told me on Wednesday, you're not playing this weekend, mm-hmm. maybe Thursday, my level will drop a, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And with you, I think it was maintained. And I think mm-hmm. when people say they miss a Zach Scott, it's someone who's going to have a broken foot and still, <laughs> still make that slight tackle. <laughs> so I think that's a part of it. But speaking of Schmetz, how do you assess the job he's done? Obviously, back-to-back MLS cups um appearances one of them was a win um you knew him since the usl days did you expect him to be this successful right away as a head coach 
I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, a t- that's a tough one because even the way he head coached with the USL Sounders is very different than the way he coaches now. Um, and that's a real testament to the amount of time and effort and, and passion he puts into his craft. Um, so, no, I, I, I couldn't say that um, I would have seen uh, this in my crystal ball looking forward, but I can't say that I'm surprised either. Hmm. Speak to us about him as a person. For the fans who kind of follow him as the coach, but away from that, just Brian Schmetz, the day-to-day, in and around Starfire, in the locker room, what is he like um, as a person? I mean, the thing I appreciate, and it probably doesn't um, doesn't <laughs> rub off the same with everybody, is just the, the kind of the blunt honesty. I mean, that's the way I operated as a player. I would tell you exactly the way I felt, and I expected that from my coaches. I mean, I don't, I don't need you to tell me I played a good game if I didn't. I don't need you to tell me, you know, anything other than, you know, the, the truth. And um, I think I've always appreciated that. And I think that's, that's why we got along so well. That's probably why we butted heads a lot as well. That we were kind of the same person. Um, you know how that gets, with yeah. similar personalities. Um, but tried and true, you know, a, a Seattle guy, you know, he's, he's, been amazing for this club for such a a, a long amount of time like it's pretty crazy um and and really was just instrumental in um being not only a coach but uh you know kind of a sounding board for a lot of not even soccer related stuff but just life stuff as I was you know growing up and becoming a man I guess you did some work recently, I believe it was either with the league or the players union, mm-hmm. which was speaking about the transition from playing to retirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that, what that was and what you've learned since making that transition yourself? Yeah, I mean, that was, that was an interesting one because the, the players union reached out and asked for my perspective um, on just the, exactly like you're saying, the transition. Yeah. Um, and I had to I had to take a step back and make sure it was uh, it was the players' union and not the league that was reaching out, um, mm-hmm. so that I could <laughs> kind of tailor my comments towards that. Because <laughs> um, there's, I mean, there's obviously a lot of frustration with the way that the league has set themselves up um, to support yeah. um, players. I mean, they, we all know the the lifespan of an athlete is. Um, you know, a couple of years, you know, yeah. if you get a couple of years, you're, you're yeah. happy, you're thrilled, you know? Um, and you know, soccer's no different. And obviously the, the, the pay structure for a lot of, um, you know, players coming out of college and American players is, you know, a different one than a lot of international players. But I think we all realize that we, we play the sport because we love it and we're willing to, you know, play for not that much in order to have, have a number of years, right. um, doing, doing the sport you love. So, I think it was a good experience, and I think things are trending in the right direction. I love that. I, um, you know, I get, you know, I get, you know, the occasional email email from you know former or guys that are currently playing. Some of the young guys asking about what the transition was like for me, and if I can, if I can help them uh, have a perspective that sets them up for success and doesn't keep them f- focused on just the here and now, but has actually got them thinking about all right, what am I going to do once I'm done playing? Then I think that's the least I can do. Right. When's the last time you played or kicked a ball or had anything resembling a real game? Uh, well, it 
definitely wasn't the final, so <laughs> it must have been the playoff game against oh, wow. Dallas. That's the only time I've kicked the ball. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 just I've I've had to explain this a number of times, but if I still feel like I can do it, I kind of don't want to do it because mm. I've already done everything I could to prove in my career that I was a professional. Um, so right now, I choose to be a fan to my kids and kind of remove myself as far far as possible from soccer um and just enjoy like enjoy being a dad and enjoy not having the 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 structure of being an athlete anymore do you ever see yourself getting back into it in terms of like maybe coaching a gm technical like 10 years down the line 15 years or do you think that for you you played and that's what you needed to get from soccer in your life you know i'll never say never um i think it was my I think it was my intention to get into the business side of the Sounders um, because that's always been really interesting to me. Um, Probably not the coaching um, aspect just because of the the schedule doesn't really align with, you know, being, (laughs) you know, being a family guy and, uh, you know, having to coach at nights and on the weekends and missing all of your kids' stuff. Um, But, um, you know, had had some good advice from Adrian, you know, coming out that it's, you know, a really competitive market and there's a lot of people looking for jobs in the professional realm and, um, you know, probably makes more sense to to go elsewhere and get into the business world. And all those experiences, what I'm learning now and what I'm involved in now is just going to set me up for success in the future if I do decide to chase an opportunity, um, you know, back in the sports business. Zach, it's always a pleasure, man. If there's one thing I knew about you was that um, you didn't like the limelight, didn't like doing media <laughs> stuff. So the fact we even got you on here today, I'm, yeah. I'm grateful. Thanks for stopping by. Man. Absolutely. You're lucky our offices are so close. <laughs> <laughs> That's Zach Scott. You know already, and even though he hates this, Mr. Sounder, we'll say it one more time. Um, we'll be right back with more on Winging It with Zach Awadi. Back to Bruin. In between, finds Bawana. Bawana makes it, does it. Gets his first goal of the year from Will Bruins. Sounders get the goal, get the lead in the 54th. Are you kidding me? Sounders pop up with a bit of magic. Welcome back. This is Winging It with Zach Awani. Thanks again to Zach Scott for stopping by. Always a pleasure having Zach Scott with us here in the building. Questions. There's lots of them. Let's get to a couple. Number one, judging off of last night, are we right in saying or asking why hasn't Wolf Ikram been playing more? Yes, I think we mostly are. But what I will say is this. Sometimes a player, he has quality, right? We know he has quality on the ball. What I like about him is he wants the ball. Um, you'll be surprised that in the bigger the game gets, some players start to actually hide from the ball. They don't want the ball. They want to kind of just... Let the game pass them by. No, Wolf Ikram is brave. He wants the ball, wants to make things happen. If he loses it, no problem. I'll try again. We've seen that. Sometimes that kind of player, when they haven't been playing and they're out of favor, it actually motivates them. They respond well. Some players, you know, tuck their tail between their legs and get worse. Some players get better. And I believe that's what we saw with Wolf Ikram. Would he have put that kind of performance had he been playing anywhere and his place was guaranteed and he had come to Seattle and settled right in and was the man? Probably not. That was a performance, especially in that first 45. Kind of faded in the second half, but you know he, he did his work in that first 45. It was a, this is who I am. 
this is a reminder of what I can do in case you didn't know, coach. And that's good. The coach wants that. And that piece of play on the right-hand side was special. Special players do that. And that was a very, very special play. The weight of the pass was tremendous. You know, take nothing away from Will Bruin because his first touch was great. And the left foot finish, you know, with power past the goalkeeper. It was very good. But that goal was made um, by Wolf Ikram. It was made in Scandinavia. So I believe he showed his quality, but he had a fire burning inside him. And that's usually very, very good to see. Next question was to do with the formation. We played the five in the back. Is this what we should use going forward? It's an option. I think good teams can change from a five in the back to a four in the back to maybe three in the back. It's an option. I don't think that's the soundest formation. I don't think that's the soundest playing the best. I think that game plan was for that game. Maybe it's also for Portland. Maybe it's for the tough games on the road. You use that. But I don't want to see that at CenturyLink. At CenturyLink, we want to be the aggressor. We want Seattle to take the game to teams. If, I don't care if it's Toronto, if it's LAFC, if it's Atlanta. We don't care who it is. That's always been the mentality at this club. You never, ever sit back at home. We take the game to the opponent. I don't think a five in the back, like we saw last night, is set up to do that with the one striker. That's for absorbing pressure, especially against the good teams away from home, and hitting them on the counter-attack. So I would say it's an option. It's in Brian Schmetz's back pocket, but that's not the formation I would say should be the default that this team should go to. Can we get an update on the rosters for your charity game? I'm not giving the rosters out yet just because it's still going through final process, um, picking teams. You, you wouldn't believe it, but behind the scenes, there's always controversy um, on the lineups. People think I choose the lineups. I don't. And I'm talking to Eddie Johnson because he's the only one who complains about his team if they're losing at halftime. But so we try and keep that um, internal. But there'll be, you know, Jimmy Trari, Gonzo Pineda, James Riley, John Kennedy Hurtado, um, Roger Levesque. Josh Ford, a lot of sounders past who will be there. Present in the house also will be, you know, Clint Dempsey who's doing a signing on site with all Buffemi Martins. No, when's the last time you saw those two together? So the lineup will be released closer, but that's kind of some of the guys coming here. And um, of course, we'll announce more of the guys from around the league. Um, follow my social medias to know where to get the tickets and stuff. But stay tuned. It's going to be a great, great lineup. The big three things. Number one, decisions, decisions, decisions. I'm talking about the lineup. I don't know, man. You stick with that lineup. You bring back Ozzy. You bring back Clint. I don't know, man. Brian Schmetz is going to have options regardless. I think the obvious one is Ozzy comes back. You don't not bring him back. You know, the way he's been playing and, you know, you don't not bring him back. Clint's a more difficult one. It's Portland. Always scores against Portland. I don't know any other player who's as good in big games. I would even say above Oba in big games, Clint Dempsey. So, yeah, of course, naturally you bring him back. But judging off the performance last night, if he sticks with that formation, that game plan, it's decisions to make. It's tough because you never want to change a winning team. But when that winning team was changed and brought up there to rest your stars or, you know, DPs, then do you not change it? 
But I'm glad we're talking about these problems now and not, you know, hey, why can't we score? Hey, why are we having 50 crosses and not getting, only getting one shot on goal? Those are the bad problems. These lineup decisions, good problems. And Brian Schmetzer would much rather lose sleep over this than trying to figure out why his team can't pick up a point or three points against 10 men. So I don't know what they're going to do. I think you can't lose either way. Who's going to complain about bringing back players of that caliber? Osvaldo, Alonso, Clint Dempsey, are you kidding me? Special players in a big game. But who's going to complain if he keeps what worked? It's a good time to be a Sounders fan all of a sudden. Number two, to what should I compare this Portland-Seattle rivalry? I grew up in Tottenham, North London. I just found a picture of myself this week. I'm disgusted. It was in a Tottenham shirt. I was seven years old. I can't believe it because I'm an Arsenal diehard through and through. Um, I played for Arsenal from age nine to age 14. Spent a lot of time there and still have connections with the club. And that's the best rivalry I've seen in world football. It's the game I went to the most. So there's Barcelona, Real Madrid, and their rivalry isn't even geographical. They're far apart. Um, that's nothing to do with being in the same city. It's just the two best teams. But you have Rangers, Celtic, Liverpool, Everton, the Manchester derby. There's some really good derbies out there. The Milan derby. Um, there's games between Boca Juniors and River Plate. There's some big games in global football. I put Seattle and Portland right there because it has everything that makes a rivalry good. History. You need history. You need backgrounds. You need moments. This one has it. They've been going at it. This is the 100th meeting. That's history. You don't need no more than that. They've played against each other in almost every rendition of some kind of pro or semi-pro league that's been here in the States. These two teams have been there. There has to be a genuine dislike between the fan base. Log on to Twitter this weekend. You'll see it. I remember being in the pubs in England before Arsenal-Tottenham games. You had to split the pub in half because you couldn't sit together. These are real rivalries, and this has that. You have to have memorable moments, and I'm very sorry to Casey Keller, but one of my greatest memories is Thierry Henry carrying the ball 90 yards. Yes, 90. From a defending corner, someone headed it out picks the ball up just in deep in his own half, beats five players, left foot finish, bottom corner, Casey Keller couldn't reach it. But I remember that till this day. I can describe that goal perfectly. It has to have moments. Who can forget Clint Dempsey's hat-trick? That's a moment. I'm sure Portland fans have their moments. So these rivalries have to have moments, you remember. And very few players cross sides in these rivalries. There's Sol Campbell, who's done it from Tottenham to Arsenal. I'm sure before that, there's been more, but it's very rare. And Portland and Seattle, very few cross sides. We won't get further into that. There's no need, but for obvious reasons, but very few. But it's a rivalry. I always look forward to this game. Playing it, it was great. Watching it, it's been great. It's the one game I make sure I watch, even if I'm not working it, I'm going to watch because the atmosphere, you just can't beat that. And everyone in this country knows it's the most genuine rivalry in American sports, I would say. Number three, Brian Schmetzer. I've been thinking about Brian since last night because I was so impressed with what he did during that 90 minutes. But maybe what was more impressive was after the 90 minutes. And that for me is what speaks to the man and why the players and the team and even older, washed up people like me buy into him so much. After the game, and I believe Brian Babcock um, who works here at the Sounders office, was the one to put it on Twitter. Brian Schmetzer 
telling the players, demanding of the players after that great win, barely 10 seconds after the whistle, go and applaud those fans that made the trip. I didn't get a good shot of the fans on the TV. I'm not sure how many were there or not, but if it was one, if it was 100, 1,000, he doesn't care. Go and applaud those fans. And that's genuine from him. I remember when the first year of my charity game, Brian Schmetzer played, and the player benches were on the opposite side to the grandstand at Starfire. Right before kickoff, he had us pick up the benches, all the players, and move them towards the grandstand so we could be close to the fans and they could interact with us. That's the guy. That's why players buy into him. Now, when you have the tactics like he has, I don't think he gets his credit tactically like he should. We saw last night, he, he can tactically battle with the best of them. But you have that guy leading your franchise and he reminds players all the time what it means to be a sounder. And that's the best way heading into this week. That's a guy you can follow into battle. Because win, lose, or draw, he'll acknowledge the fans who support the players through good and bad. And the players are under no illusions whatsoever of what it means to play for this badge. Before I go, congratulations to Handwala Buana, first professional goal. Fun fact, same stadium, same exact goal where I scored my first professional goal too. So best wishes to him. Hope he goes on to be bigger and better and stays injury-free. But getting your first goal, it's so memorable. You can never forget it. And it was very similar goals too, in a sense. But congratulations to him. That's all we have time for this week. We will be back next week, hopefully recapping a seven-point week, as Taylor Graham put it. And that's if we pick up three points in Portland. Good luck to the team down there. All of you going down there, travel, be safe. I'm Steve Zakwani. This will be Winging It with Zakwani. Until next time, be safe. <laughs>